If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> Before we begin, I'm going to open up the word of prayer. So let's pray. Lord, in my weakness, use me. Lord, wherever we're at, speak to us. May your word continue to come, to live, come alive to us. Open up our hearts, clear our minds, and give us the ears to hear and the hands to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Acts chapter 6. When you're at Acts chapter 6, go ahead and stand up for the reading of God's Word wherever you are at. If that's here in the sanctuary, in the patio, at home. If you can't, that's okay. But in body and in, or in spirit, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of when the number of disciples were increasing, the Grenetian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Perminus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> so one of the things that I really enjoy going on and being a part of is this thing called serve. And for those who don't know what serve is, it is when a group of high school youth groups from across North America gather to one location and they serve the community for one week. It's like a camp, but instead of having like camp activities, those camp activities are substituted with service projects. We have the honor and privilege to host serve last year and uh, a year before that, and we've been involved with serve for many years actually. And for myself, I have been involved with Serve both as a participant and a host site leader. And one thing that I really appreciate about Serve is just the different lifestyles, the different walks of life that come through our doors and stay with us for a week. You have kids that grow up on farms. You have students who are like grew up in like, the suburbs. You have kids who grew up in the city. And you have all these walks of life. And one amazing thing that Serve does is they make these Serve groups. Okay, so when you arrive at your serve site, you're placed in a group. And at, in this group, it's, you're normally not with people you know. They're with, these are people who you never met before with a leader from a different church, and you're just going to live life together this week. One thing that always cracks me up is when the first day of serve happens, the first work day. 
and everybody's excited. As a leader, I'm always nervous on this day because I'm, there's two things going through my mind. How well are my kids going to react with my sarcasm? Second is, how well are these students going to work? Okay? How well are these students going to work with each other? Sometimes you get a group, and some years I've had groups that were amazing. Group dynamic was awesome. We were joking with each other. It was amazing. And then there's also times where you have groups who are like, we're just different. We'll just say that. They're just different. They don't necessarily work as hard. They, they just kind of beat with their own drum, and they just go on, and you're like, okay, we're, this product's going to take what should take two hours. It's going to take us six awesome. So when we're at the serve group and we're doing things, we're, sometimes we're painting, sometimes we are uh, building fences, sometimes we're cutting wood, sometimes we're working in a food bank. Uh, it does, all depends. And I remember one instance, one circumstance, one place that we were at, we were serving as community. Uh, we're putting a roof on this house. I don't know why they thought a bunch of high schoolers putting a roof on a house would be a good idea, but they did. And it's like, all right, let's do this. And we started uh, clearing off the roof, and right away I knew a handful of students never really worked with tools before. And trying to, even like, even like one of them was just struggling, and I said, hey, you know what? I don't think this up here is going to be your, 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 like your spot. I just don't think you almost fell off the roof twice. I can't have you die on the first day, actually, at all this week. So we're going to have you go downstairs and, and help clean up all the tar paper and the nails. Just sweep. So I hand him a broom. You would think that a student knows how to sweep. No. That week, I also had to teach a student how to sweep up. So there are students that have different gifts, and they have different talents and different types of skills. Sometimes you have to be patient in teaching these basic skills, and sometimes you just see things, and then I'm just like, hey, you're doing really great. For instance, I had a student one time who, I guess, grew up on a farm, and this kid was one of the hardest working kids. And uh, actually, it was the same group that we were in uh, with the kid that could sweep. And he just, like, this kid, we had complete opposites. You had one kid who was really great at something and another who was, like, not so good. But by the end of the week, we were at a food bank. And part of the, food, part of the, the, the role that day was not just to pass out food, but to talk to people. And one of the, the students that had a struggle sweeping connected so well with the families coming in and with their children. Actually, that was his place. He thrived in that. While the, the farmer kid was very quiet, he was in the back, didn't really engage much, but he was still there. Here you had an instance of two students, the same group, doing two different jobs who thrived in their, jo in their specific role who thrived in their specific role. Sometimes we see students, sometimes we see people, and we notice that there's, they have giftings. They have something about them, like, oh, you're really good at this. And sometimes we know that perhaps certain things aren't their giftings. Certain circumstances show that maybe this isn't your gift. Not everybody is meant to be a high school or middle school leader. Some of you don't have the patience for that. While others of you have tremendous patience with middle school and high school students. 
But we look at Scripture, if we look at Acts chapter 6 again, we look at verse 1, and it says, In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the the Greekinian, Renetian, or also other translations say Hellenistic Jews, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. What about us? It's a question I'm going to ask, is what about us? We see this question in a way be asked in verse 1, where a group of people were overlooked. Not just a group of people, but there's two different types of people we see here. We see, what I'm going to say, the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews, okay? Both Jews, but one is different than the other. The, the Hellenistic Jews were people who embraced Greek culture. They embraced the culture that was around them. They spoke Greek. They perhaps participated in the traditions of the Roman Empire and the Greek culture. They participated in that. They were not necessarily like proud. I wouldn't say proud of their Jewish roots, but they were also proud of being. Hellenistic Jews, Jews are part of this culture. And then you have the Hebraic Jews, people who were proud of being Hebrews. They are from the line of David. They are, we are Jews. We are proud of who we are. And you have these two cultural differences. You have one that's embracing the overall culture of their community, of their nation, and you have one that's retaining their roots kind of go back to what they were once, they once were. And as they are distributing food, as the needs are there, they're distributing food to the widows, and we notice that there's a group being left out, a group that's being, in a way, forgotten. We see the Hellenistic Jews be forgotten, and they are upset about this. They're saying, hey, we're being missed here. What about us? What about our needs? You're giving to your people. That's awesome. But what about us? What about the needs that our, our widows are going hungry? You're, you're catering to the Hebraic Jews, these, the Jews of Jews, but yet we're Jews too. We're in need too. What about us? What about us? There are needs in the community. As we hear that, as we see that, it... What does it show me? It shows me this. It shows that there are problems even in the early church. This is, this is some time after Pentecost, not a whole lot of time actually. So this is the very beginning of the early church. Mind you, the Holy Spirit is now living among the people and is filling the people, and numbers are growing daily. But yet, there's still problems. And it, it, honestly, it brings me comfort knowing that, that there are problems. Because when we face problems today in our church, if you attend the river or whatever church you attend, uh, there's going to be problems. There are going to be challenges in the community. And this gives me comfort knowing that because they were able to walk it out. They were able to talk it through. And this is, this is written here in the book of Acts to remind us, to encourage us, that you're going to face issues, that as a community, you're going to face problems. And it's amazing how they navigated it. There are problems in which we face, us, the church, today. And it makes me ask the question, what are the needs around us? What are the needs in our community? Who 
are the overlooked in your community? Who are the hungry? Who are the lonely? Who who are the ones experiencing injustice and need support? Who are the ones in anger needing to experience joy? Perhaps you find yourself in that place this morning where you, you, are, you have needs, but sometimes you're, we just don't want to say we have needs. Sometimes our pride gets in the way of expressing the needs that we have. Sometimes our fear gets in the way of expressing the needs that we have. Sometimes we don't want people to view us a certain way, so therefore we remain silent, or instead we're afraid to say the needs of our community because we're afraid to be judged by the opinions around us. We have two groups, those in need and those who are standing by and watching. And those who are standing by watching cannot step in and help unless there's communication. Unless there's a, there's a voice. And sometimes in our community, we, we hear these things. We hear the needs in our community. I'm so grateful for the River Church because so many times I have seen this community step up and give in such powerful ways. I think about our, uh, our partnership with Care Portal. And we think about families who are transitioning into living together. And they have this, you know, a few things in order to, to get the approval from their social worker. And it's just, sometimes it can be as little as a bed, a couch, maybe a deposit for utilities. And this is the last thing. And I have seen so many times the River Church step up and say, hey, we got it. We'll take care of it. There's so many times in which I've seen this community step up. I think of the Wagners. I think of the time when we host Serve, and we're going to feed all these kids tri-tip. And I call Sandy and say, Sandy, are you guys, you guys down to help? And Sandy's like, yep, we'll be there. And they come with all these tri-tips. That's amazing. These is a beautiful image of the church of people stepping up, using their different talents, using their different gifts to bless a community. That is the gospel. That is living out the gospel, is being the hands and feet of Jesus. And for us to continue to do that is a blessing and an honor because guess what? We are guided by the Holy Spirit in doing so. Sometimes, though, those needs aren't just physical needs. Sometimes the needs of our community just needs ears to listen. Sometimes the needs in our community just needs, some people just need a place to sit down and to talk. I don't know about you, but for myself, this COVID season, I've experienced loneliness in a way that I never thought I would experience. I'm thankful for my family and for my roommates to have people there. But man, there are times that I miss having a hug. Perhaps for yourself, watching at home, you have not left your home in months. And that's what you long for. You long for a safe and healthy community to return back to. There are needs in our community. I think of communities that are voicing out hurt. I think of our black brothers and sisters who have voiced hurt over the years. And what is our response in that? 
I hear the voice of those who are crying out, asking for help to be heard. How is our response to that? Now, many of us hear those things, and what do we do? But before we answer that question, let me just remind us that there is power in community. There is power in the community around us. The community knows its needs. The community knows what's happening, and it's important to be involved in community. As we see here, we see in the passage of Acts, we see the two groups, but yet, believe it or not, they are still one community because they are still in need and they are still under the body of Christ. They are still asking for help and they are one community living among each other. Though they may not get along, they are still part of one community. And people are aware of the needs in that community. Now, I think of our community, and we know that there are people, there are people in your community who you probably don't like. You just be honest, you probably don't like certain people in your community. But that doesn't keep us from helping those in need. That doesn't keep us from stepping into a place of being in the hands and feet of Jesus. Because if that was the case, we would see something very different here in this passage. We would see something more like, all right, uh, you guys are running out of food? Sorry. Come, come early tomorrow. Come early the next day. I don't want to tell you. There's no more. But instead, we see something different. Instead, the community doesn't turn their back. The community embraces. They, they embrace the issue that's raised in front of them. They acknowledge it. Hey, we're getting left out. What about us? And instead of turning their backs and saying, oh, well, they say, you know what? You're right. What about you? Let's solve this. The community steps in. The apostles step in. The leaders of that community steps in and says, okay, we see an issue. We are going to acknowledge the issue. Let's, let's talk about this. In verse uh, 2 through 6, I lost my page. Here we go. In verse 2 through 6, so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Prochorus Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands, and laid their hands on them. Okay, we see this. I, this section here, I'm, I'm calling it the deacons. We see a call of deacons here. We've seen the apostles were doing stuff already. They, they were not just praying for people, they're also serving. And they had a lot on their plate. They had a lot to deal with. And because of the busyness, because of that, perhaps that was the reason why those group people got left out. And as they addressed it, they said, you know what, we can't continue to work like this. We can't continue to, to try to do everything. We need help. We need help. The apostles are saying they need help. And they said, hey, find seven men who could, we can turn these responsibilities to. 
who are not just that, not just that, but like who are filled with the Spirit, who are wise, and who essentially live an active faith. Who are those that reflect Jesus? Who are those that are filled with the Holy Spirit? Ask them to see if they can help us distribute this fruit properly and evenly to those in our community who are in need. And who were these men? We know a couple of them. And uh, we know one of them. The first one was Stephen. And Stephen uh, ends up, we see Stephen later on in the chapter being martyred for his faith. He was the first martyr. We see Stephen as an individual who was given this task, given this opportunity, and lived into it. Not just lived into it, but it transformed, and he's out preaching the gospel and bringing forth the good news. So much, in fact, that he starts to argue with people about the gospel. Another person in which we see is Philip. And we know that he later became a church leader, and we see partnerships with him and Paul. So we see that the, the, these seven men, that some of them aren't just done, aren't just deacons. They're actually doing other things too. You see, one opportunity that was given to them to serve the church ended up being a lifetime of transformation. Not just for them, but for the lives around them. All it took was somebody to say, hey, I see something in you. I see the wisdom that the Holy Spirit has given you, and I believe that God has equipped you to do this. It took that one person to reach out to them and say, I see something in you. I see what God is doing in you. Do you see what God is doing in you? It took those people to reach out to these seven men to say, hey, I see something in you. I see this gifting that God has given you. Will you do this? Will you step into this place of service? And when we say yes to stepping into a place like that, be prepared for life to change. Be prepared for life to change, for your eyes to be open to the things that you would never have noticed before. Because when you are doing the work of Christ, you see the world very differently. One thing to, to make note of is that this call of deaconship is not limited to just men, but we see in Acts 16 that this call is extended to the community as well. We see deaconesses like Lydia do the same thing of supporting the apostles. We see a group of women in there in Acts 16 who literally supported the gospel being spread throughout the nation literally spread out throughout the nation because of their yes, because somebody asked them, hey, we need help. And they stepped in and said, we can help you. And because of their yes, because of their faithfulness, churches were formed, lives were changed, and the gospel was made, and the kingdom of God was established because of a yes. When given the opportunity to serve, Lives are forever changed. When given the opportunity to serve, lives are forever changed. Not just your own life, but those around you. 
I think there's times in which we step into a time of service, a, t- a place of service to help those in need. We, we kind of expect to help those, those people in need. But in reality, as the ones who are experiencing the blessings, also us. Because Christ is reminding us, hey, you're living into your calling. You're living into what I equipped you with. Each and every one of us as, as equipped, each and every one of us has been, diff, has been given different kinds of gifts. What are our gifts? Some of you are really great at listening. Some of you do a phenomenal job at storytelling. I th- one person I think of right now is Jody Duncan, who helps uh, write the River Life stories here. And she has done a phenomenal job at sharing the stories of our senior saints, of, our, of the community here at the river. I think of other people who do a phenomenal job at their, their gifts and talents. I think of the Heemstras and blessing us with our stage decorations, our signs across the campus. Like you guys, like God has equipped you and give you such an amazing gift. And it's so amazing to see you live into that gifting. I think of our children's ministry of Becca and Patty, and even our past ministry people like Patty Winslow, Karen Verhoeven, Shana Kern, Kim Lee. I think of those people who, who have played a huge role in the development of students' faith. I think of other people like Nick Inhout, who helped develop and walk beside youth. I think of previous pastors. I think of Pastor Scott now and his, and his willingness and his giftings to help lead a community in tough times like this. God has given each and every one of you a gift. God has given each and every one of you the ability to make a difference, not in just someone's life, but for the purpose of spreading the gospel, for the purpose of making his name known. When given the opportunity to serve, we discover or are, remind, or are reminded by our, of our gifts. We are reminded of what God has given us. I remember hearing a story from a senior saint. We encouraged senior saints one time to, uh, to write letters to some of the high school students. And I remember one of them saying, I always forget how much I love to write. And this reminded me, I loved, uh, this reminded me of my passion for writing and just connecting with people. Christ has empowered you to make a difference using your gift. We may not know our gifts now, but there will be a time that it will be made known to us. How do we live into those giftings? How do we live into a place of using the gifts God has given us? I think we step into a place of just willingness to serve, of saying, Lord, here I am. Use me. But don't say those words if you don't mean it. Don't say those words because I promise you those are the hardest words to pray as a believer. It's saying, Lord, here I am, use me. Those are hands down the most difficult words to say as a follower of Jesus because guess what? God doesn't work in your box. God does not work in the box in your little, in this mindset of you. He works much bigger, and he will pull you out of your box, and he will show you a community and a world that you never thought existed. And you would never realize, like, oh my goodness, I never knew. By us saying, Lord, here I am, we are stepping to a place of our life being changed forever.
just like these seven men and the countless other people who were asked, hey, can you help? Can you help us? When they said yes, their lives forever changed. Not just their lives, but the lives around them. We all have different gifts. And that's the beautiful thing about the body of believers is that we all don't have the same gifting. There's sometimes, there's sometimes that I wish, man, I almost, whew, almost dropped that. There are times in which I, I would want to be patient or have art, like, a, like an artistic bone in my body where I can see designs and like, I want to do that. I don't, I am not artistic at all. I can't vision like art and like layouts of stuff. We were decorating and redoing the youth room and I relied heavily on Rachel Peters who is another gifted person in our community. Rachel helps literally keep our church going. And so there's times in which I'm like, Rachel, I don't know. She goes, oh, how about this, this, and this? And I'm like, yep, that's, that's it. Or there's times in which I'm trying to organize, okay, this sounds really bad, but also organizational skills aren't necessarily my forte. And I praise God for people like Rachel who help with organi- organizing things. I'm like, I don't know. For example, for Dunamis every year, we take up anywhere between 20 students to 30 students, middle school students, from here to Idlewild. And I take about three to four leaders, including myself. Those students and leaders have to get up there some way, somehow. And trying to find vehicles and drivers in that is probably one of the most, like, it's, it's not a challenging thing, but for me, it is so challenging to organize this. Because I'm like, all right, who's, who's going to sit where? And we'll figure all that out. And I'm like, I kid you not, there's been times where I have looked at my whiteboard in my office for an hour trying to figure out seats and rides. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I, I think I might have to rent another vehicle. And here comes Rachel. And she's like... Does like two, like two things. She goes, all right, you're good. I was like, what do you mean I'm good? She goes, oh, yeah, you have enough seats, you have enough drivers, you're fine. And sure enough, like she, within two minutes, she found all my mistakes and fixed it. There are people with different gifts and different callings, and they live into it, and they bless others. Some of you have, different, have gifts of musical talent. It's amazing. And I know friends that would wish they could play the drums. They can play piano. I play bass. They wish they can—no one wishes they play bass. But there are people—some oh, people do, I guess. Uh, they, we have different gifts, different callings. We have different opportunities to use our gifts. For spouses, I'm sure your gift is different than your spouse's gift. And you guys work things out in a way that helps create a beautiful family. You know, we all have different gifts, and you know why? It's because it's an image of the body of Christ. Corinthians talks about this. Talks about the head and the hands and the legs. Okay, we all make up the body of Christ. We all make up those who confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Make up the body of Christ. And God has given you a specific gift to use for that body to bless those in that body and those around it. What are your gifts? How can you use your gifts? Who can you bless? How can you be a blessing today? That's one challenge I encourage you with this week. As you wake up, ask yourself that question, who can I bless today? Who can I bless today? 
could it be just a smile at somebody, at an essential worker? We can't really see the smiles because we're having face masks. But how can you be a blessing to somebody today? Has anybody asked you lately to use your gifts and you're debating on using your gifts because of whatever reason? Don't be afraid to say yes. A wise man once asked me, why are you afraid of greatness? Why are you afraid of greatness? I think it's because of the unknown. But we know that when we step into the unknown, when we use our gifts, that God will be glorified and God will be at the center of it all, guiding us and directing us. And that is our comfort and our hope, is knowing a God who equips us. He just doesn't love us. He just doesn't care for us and embraces us. But he equips us to do his work. God has equipped you to do his work. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for not just loving us, Father God, but for equipping us. Lord, may we use our gifts to bring you glory. May we use our talents to bless those around us. Not because we want the glory, but for you, Lord. May it be all towards you. We love you and we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.